But in order to give, you have to learn and you have to be current and relevant with what you're learning. Yeah, let's yeah. fight about the idea. Let's yeah. not yeah. fight each other. Did it change the culture? Is it better? Is it worse? Let's take a look at this from a leadership perspective. Welcome to Start With A Win, where we unpack franchising, leadership, and business growth. Let's go. And coming to you from Start With A Win headquarters at Area 15 Ventures, it's Adam Contos. We're going to jump right into me being interviewed by James Dwiggins and Keith Robinson from the Real Estate Insiders Unfiltered podcast. Let's get right into it. Adam, welcome to the podcast. Uh, long overdue. I know I am very excited to have you here today. Um, it's a slow news day in residential real estate. <laughs> right. Um, uh, as usual, there's always some drama llama running through the room, knocking tables over somewhere. I'm sure we'll talk about that. But um, look, man, we're excited. Uh, I wanted to chat with you, hear a little about your background. I think the viewers and listeners who don't know you will be um, you know, really intrigued to hear how you got to the place that you've been in your career. Um, your amazing podcast, a lot of the consulting and the business coaching you're doing. But I guess let's just start there and give them, for those that don't know you, give them a little bit of background because I just wanted to preface, you started as a sheriff's officer running SWAT, correct? Yes. And then ended up being the CEO of one of the largest real estate brands in the world. Like that's a big, <laughs> that's a big shift. So let's just Give us the lowdown on that. Well, so. I, I, I usually say that the good part was I didn't get shot at anymore in the mm -hmm. real estate space, but right. I don't know if you can say that anymore. <laughs> so, so target rich environment recently. Uh, oh, totally. 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 Got it. Really good. That was but good anyhow, um, first of all, thank you for having me on. Yeah, both, of course. Uh, you and Keith. It's a longtime listener, first time caller here. So um, <laughs> it, it, this is a fun podcast to be on because, I mean, Frank, I love the unfiltered part. But a um, little bit about my history. So, of course, I my first career, like most people in this industry, have a first career. My first career was in law enforcement. I got in when I was pretty young, 21 years old. I got commissioned after I was in the Marines for a little bit. And um, thank you I, for serving. Thank you. And I, I, I kind of grew up in law enforcement. I worked undercover for a couple of years. I actually learned sales by buying drugs <laughs> undercover. <laughs> This, so, just, just all the listeners, we do not recommend that as sales training, right? Uh, just for anyone who's listening, that is an approach. Uh, so I, I had a, uh, I actually had a sales program called Narc Marketing that I taught. <laughs> but uh, this is but, turning out to be the best uh, podcast already, oh right God. out of the yes. gate. Please oh, tell me, cool. so tell me that book exists somewhere because I want a copy. No, but I, I should write. Manual. I need to write yeah, that one, Keith. You do, you do, you do. <laughs> right after this pod. Yeah, totally. But um, I'll tell you, the the DEA undercover narcotics school is one of the best ways to learn sales because you go out and they drop you on a street corner and they go go buy drugs, and so you gotta you have to go find somebody that does not know who you are, you know, gain their trust and confidence, learn about their problems. And then do a life-changing transaction with them. Does this sound a little bit like real estate to you? A little bit. <laughs> I mean, a little bit. A little, little bit. Only a it's lot. not drugs. It's not yeah. like a pound of Coke or something like that we're trying to buy here. <laughs> so, um, you know, it's it's a house. But, mm -hmm. but for crying out loud, it is about meeting new people and gaining their trust and confidence, which was life-changing for me. So I worked undercover for a couple of years, and I grew up in the law enforcement agency that uh, I still have an affiliation with. I'm still a volunteer with them. But um, 
I got on a SWAT team because of my military background and because we were kicking doors every night on the narcotics unit anyway, uh, serving search warrants. But ultimately, I became the SWAT team commander. I became a um, uh, counterterrorism instructor, homeland security uh, instructor, right around 9-11, no less. Wow. So I was, wow. I was a little bit busy. But I, uh, I also <laughs> had a consulting company. I, I started an online business selling government products and then switched that to a consulting company because in the 90s, it was really difficult to sell stuff online, especially mm -hmm. to the government. It still is difficult to sell to the government, but try it back then when everybody wanted a paper check and an RFP. Right. Sure. So um, ultimately started the uh, consulting company. Hang on a second. Let me get a drink here. <laughs> Sorry, I've been podcasting all day. So no, yeah, all good. All yeah, good, man. All, all good. good. But, no, we're uh, all, we'll all join you. So. <laughs> But but ultimately, what are you drinking there, James? No, here we go. It is kombucha. It's a little bit hippy dippy, but it has a little <laughs> bit of alcohol in it, which is why I just slowly uh, drink it through the day. There so you go. Me, don't let me get started. <laughs> very California, kombucha. my friend. Yeah, very. You know what? You can be judgy all you want. I like the damn shit. So there's Good. that. So. Good. Good. Someone needs to. <laughs> there you go. So anyhow, I uh, I I built a um a training course for real estate agents, how not to get killed while doing your job. It was called safer safety awareness for every realtor. Really? And yeah, that, that took off quite a bit in the early two thousands. Uh, I actually had agents come up to me and say, thank you for that. You saved my life. I implemented those techniques. That's awesome. Yeah. It was very satisfying. Yeah. So, um, at that point I, uh, got a job offer to go work in the franchising, uh, consulting business, for Remax, Dave Linegar himself asked me if I would like to come work in the organization since I was working with so many people in the industry. I said, of course, I, I love the industry. I love the people involved. I, I like the entrepreneurial spirit. I like not getting shot at, you know, <laughs> things of that nature. So, um, so I, I jumped over into Remax to do franchise consulting work and work my way up in the organization. I oversaw, um, you know, different regions, franchise marketing and sales, um, advertising marketing and brand marketing, human resources, question. IT. I have and, a leadership question that just sure. popped right into my head. So go you it, go yeah. from uh, leading SWAT teams yep. and sort of a, a pretty controlled uh, <clears throat> command structure, right? I tell you what to do, you're going to do it. Of course, there's communication and fluidity and, and all of the things you need to have an effective team. But much more hierarchical, I say you do, we execute together. You transition from that to residential real estate. <laughs> where and you're going with this. Where there is almost none, right? Like we beg, bribe, cajole. It's crisp, you know, it's donuts and 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 bloody Marys to get them to come to the office meeting or whatever. How was that transition <laughs> for you? Like, how did you, well, how, what was it like? And then uh, making some assumptions on what it was like, but if it's like, I think it might've been, how'd you deal with that? Well, I mean, first of all, in the early two thousands, I'll say one of my first bigger meetings, there was almost a fist fight. So I thought it was yeah. back at home. So <laughs> you and Keith are going to get along really well because yeah. he yeah. wants to do everything trial by combat. And I'm like, I, we can't yeah. do that from an HR perspective. Although I think it would be useful sometimes. So yeah. I mean, it, yeah. we may not always get the right decision, but it is simpler. <laughs> and it's a lot of fun. And you, yeah. you hug it, you hug it out after the fight. That's anyway, right. That's so. right. That's right. Yeah. Um, it, it was uh, a little bit challenging going from that environment and frankly, where you, you know, when you're done with a call, you're generally done with a call. If it's right. a SWAT call and you're packing up your gear and going home, it's because it's over. 
It's right. not because it's going to continue tomorrow or for 45 right. days or until sure. the inspection mm-hmm. or anything like that. So um, it, uh, definitely a big difference. But more than anything, it's an awareness of the people. So, you know, the leadership in law enforcement is understanding people, understanding their challenges, combining those things together and then helping them solve their problems. It's the same thing in real estate. So that's how I looked at it is I just need to, I need to connect with these people because Mm -hmm. after so many fights as a Mm -hmm. cop, you're done fighting and you want to connect and you want to find a a common ground with people. So at some point you're like, all right, let's, let's all get along and, and solve some of the world's problems together. So mm-hmm. it, it worked out well when it came to business. It's a chess game of emotions and relationships. Yeah. Yeah. So that's kind of how I looked at it. And that's really still how it is today um, with a, a massive amount of, of trust and confidence and things like that built into it. Mm-hmm. But ultimately it, it is not, I, I would say um, it's not going against the grain. It is relatively parallel. Yeah. Makes yeah. sense. Makes sense. All right, let's do a few rapid fires because I want to hear your answers to okay. these. Uh, because we've talked about drugs, we've talked about SWAT, <laughs> we've talked about fights, we've and we talked about real estate shortly, but we'll get more into that. Yeah. Um <laughs> okay. Rapid fires, 30 seconds or less, just to give the viewers and listeners a little about so who you are. So if you were a superhero, who would it be and why? Oh, without a doubt, Captain America. Yeah. See, I was um, gonna guess that by the way. So Okay. So have I have you was, ever dressed thinking, up as Captain America, by the way. Have you, today, have you ever done it today? <laughs> no, you, no, never? I will say this. Gosh. No, I, I have never dressed up as Captain America. I was driving down the road one time down the highway and Captain America pulled up next to me on his motorcycle with his shield on his back one day. Though. I'm like, <laughs> dang, look at that guy. I honked yeah. and gave him a thumbs up and stuff. Yeah, that guy never done great, it. And whoever that guy is has a great life, right? Like he's oh, never totally mad. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I was going to well, say dead. I was going to say Deadpool originally, oh, but he's not a superhero. He's kind of the anti-hero. I yeah. know, but he's so hey, good though. There's very you few know. roles oh, yeah. on this podcast, so like, you, we could go super villain. We're fine. We're, we're yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. He is. He yeah. is friends with Captain America and Spider Man, though. You know. That's See? true. That's See? true. And he's Wolverine. Hero, he's hero adjacent. Yeah. There All, right, go. Keith, All right. What's the favorite? next one? Favorite book or podcast? Well, we usually say this year, but in the last twelve months, or and why? I'm going to go this year, Keith. So Ooh, you know, dang. getting it, throwing it down here, I buddy. Like it. Go ahead. I just it. I just finished this one. This is called Essentialism Ooh. by Greg McEwen, The Disciplined Pursuit of Less. Uh, okay, interesting. So get this book. I know a lot of people would be like uh, Atomic Habits or something like that, which James Clear, love him. It's a great book. I've <laughs> read it like half a dozen times and all the habit books. Mm-hmm. This is kind of the next phase of that mm-hmm. on how to say no to shit you shouldn't be doing. Oh, so um, it's That's Keith, you are not allowed to read it. that because you're going to try and delegate everything. You're going to be like, I, I nah, do, not doing already, it. I, nah, I, I'm not doing it. I already do. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's my yeah, point. Yeah. So. Um, all right. Last one. one. Last one. Uh, if you could have lunch with one person, current or historical, who would it be and why? I'm going to go with somebody current because I want to know what their crystal ball says. I'm going to say Elon Musk. Yeah, that's a good one. That's a good one. That's a good one. Buckle up. Well, that guy is either. Yeah. 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 Well, <laughs> he either has insight into what's going on in the future somehow yeah. Or he's going to go disrupt it anyway. So, you know, I'd love to ask him about 
the current state of affairs in the residential real estate market. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. He That's definitely would have conversation. He would have a yeah. thought on it that most others have not probably. Yeah. I mean, you kind of have totally. to, you have to like, I mean, he's very out there obviously, but you also have to look at it and go, man, this guy is, is just on a different planet. Like Tesla, you people wanted it to fail. Largest car manufacturer in the world. Uh, you've got right. SpaceX. I mean, he literally is NASA. So like, I mean, it's just incredible what the guy does and how he thinks. Um, that'd be a good one. That'd be interesting. <clears throat> Although you'd have to like really follow along because his brain's operating so quickly. He doesn't get the words out. So need an interpreter there. That's yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah, for sure. All right. So let's dive into some of the main questions. Um, uh, so you, you had the opportunity to, um, basically be guided by one of the greatest real estate executives of our lifetime, you know, Dave Linegar. And you were there for, from 2004. So 18 years, if I'm yes. correct with that. Yeah. And seven positions starting in the franchise sales sort of consulting role you mentioned all the way up to the chief executive officer of one of the largest brands in the world. Like what, just give us like, what were, what was that like? Like, how did you get there? Cause I think so many people want to do things like that, but have never achieved that kind of movement up the ranks to, to leading a publicly traded company. That's, you know, massive. So I just get a little, like, I don't know, just tell us like, what did that look like that, that movement up? How did you get there? What was it like to, to, to be taught by Dave and just, you know, I don't know. Where did, where do we go with this? I just All want right. to hear about that background. Oh, there, there's a, I think there are a couple of key factors here in this. Uh, one of which I would say is relationships. So for instance, like James, you and I met several years ago mm -hmm. at an international franchise association meeting. Yeah. Nothing to do with real estate. It was funny because I walk into this, this room and there's James sitting over at this table. I still remember where the table was. It was yeah. kind of, you yeah. Know, and you were with, right. you're with Dave. I remember you guys were at the bar. So, yeah, 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 exactly. And um, I, it was about meeting people and connecting with them and building relationships. I don't care what business you're in. In fact, I've probably talked to most of the CEOs in the space since I've left Remax mm -hmm. simply to say, hi, hey, my friend, how you doing? It's been a while, stuff like that. And those relationships are rock solid. Because I I was very agnostic in the space. I wasn't, while I had opinions, I wasn't insulting with them. I was I was transparent, but caring and kind. Sure. And you know you don't have to be friendly, but you got to be kind. And that's mm. what I think builds a respect. So you you've got to really work on that. And this coming from somebody who has never wanted to just walk into a room and meet a whole bunch of people. Because remember, I didn't want anybody to know my name or what I looked. Like. I had a fake name for crying out loud. So, um, you know, working undercover or whatever, but, um, it, it was a huge part of relationships. And when you build relationships, not just horizontally in an industry, but also vertically in your organization, people, they, they respect you because you're respecting their position, but you're not, you know, kind of kowtowing to their position. You're, mm -hmm. if you treat people like an equal they will treat you like an equal nine mm -hmm. times out of 10, unless they're harboring something internally, which is, sure. you know, basically they feel threatened. Mm -hmm. And I, I don't care who you are. I'm, I'm not intimidated or threatened by you. It doesn't matter to me. So, um, you know, I, I want to kind of meet you where you're at and let's do some great things together is kind of how I've always approached people. Secondarily, 
Dave gave me a piece of advice that to this day, I still share with as many people as I possibly can. And that's simply this, be a sponge. And by being a sponge, it doesn't mean go just learn a whole bunch of stuff. And yes, I like to read books. Yes, Keith, I only read this this year. I started this year with it. <laughs> you win. Finished, you yeah, win. I finished it. What is today? The eighth. I finished it this week. So, you know, call it like the seventh yesterday. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, it's a great book, by the way. And I'll go find another one tomorrow mm. to go read. But mm. what I'm doing is I'm giving them back. So a sponge sucks things up. It absorbs things and then it returns things. It doesn't just absorb and keep. So a lot yeah. of people think that that leading is about just learning. No, leading is about giving. But in order to give, you have to learn and you have to be current and relevant with what you're learning. So really, and just to kind of put a label on that, that's called value. When you give value back. Hmm. So when you take the relationship piece and the value piece and you do that in your organization consistently, that's the hard part. And that's really what differentiates like professional athletes from amateurs is consistency. People mm -hmm. who are willing to continue to do those things, even when everybody else is bored of them. Mm -hmm. So you have to look at yourself as a, as a professional athlete that is consistently giving value and building those relationships, all three of those things together, I guess you could say, um, that really has probably the largest impact on your growth in an organization. Now I will say this, the, kind of the the death of the whole thing is your attitude and your ego about it. So if you have a crappy attitude and you have an ego that is trying to protect something, you'll never get anywhere. Hmm. <clears throat> you will die a, a very miserable death while you're trying to defend your ego and exhibit really a, an attitude that drags other people down. I know that's interesting. Oh, go ahead, Sorry. James. No, we'll go ahead, Keith. Please, please go, go. How do you balance ego and defending an idea right because to me ego is taking it personally but there should be a high clash of ideas right there should be the mm. the freedom and the ability to debate concepts or ideas how do you balance that when you're working you know whether it's up down sideways in an organization do you have like a little alarm bell that goes off? Like, oh, I've dipped into ego territory. Like I'm digging my heels in a little more than I should. Or, or how do you balance that? Making sure that the idea is going through the crucible, but not doing it with ego attached to it. I, I think your reputation will begin to tell people that that's okay. And mm. a, a big lever in that is gratitude. Mm. So if you're con constantly deploying gratitude because somebody is willing to give you their position instead of just sitting there and shutting up, which, yeah. you know, you, you see all these different meetings go on in <laughs> bureaucratic organizations, things like that, where people just sit there on their hands and, you know, you basically you're operating in an environment of learned helplessness. Mm. And I love that term. It totally describes different industries right now. It describes a real estate industry right now, you know, for not, not being political, but we are involved in a, a function of learned helplessness because of the, the vertical integration mm. within the industry itself and the rules and people afraid of saying something. Mm. And then it, once they do, everybody just attacks. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, if you, if you have that attack constantly, it's because there's no gratitude for that feedback that is there and the respect that comes with that. And you just got to be willing to admit, Hey, I don't, uh, you know, I'm coming to the table because I know I don't have the best idea. Let's mm. find the best idea and maybe let's take something from everybody 
but I appreciate what everybody gives. And if you get everybody to open up and start discussing things and strip their ego away, and I think a lot of that has to do with laying the framework of here's the ground rules. One, no ego. Two, you know, we're probably going to be making some of this shit up. So let's all be okay with that. Let's be yeah. honest about that fact. Yeah, right? totally. Yeah. Exactly. And yeah. here's the other thing. Don't be a sissy about it. Mm. Get, get dirty, you know, go after it, get hungry, defend your ideas. Let's fight about them. Mm -hmm. But ultimately we need to hug it out at the end and say, right. this was all for the best of the situation. Let's find something that works for everybody. Yeah, let's yeah. fight about the idea. Let's yeah. not yeah. fight each other, right? This isn't yeah. about you and me. This is about us beating this idea up to refine it to to its purest best form, right? Right. Um, yeah, I mean you've you've heard you've heard play the ball not the person. Yeah. 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 I mean, right yeah. there. Yeah. 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 You know, it's also I I think as you were talking about it, it reminds me of this it's it's just the way I've I personally always thought there's abundancy mindset or scarcity mindset. Mm -hmm. And it's I've seen it in so many different actually it's probably about 98% of the industry in residential real estate is scarcity mindset. It's, it's always a <clears throat> me, me, me. I don't want to share. I don't want to do, I don't want to, my competitor is going to do something. And you know, it's, it's, it's interesting because I've had people ask me over the years, like, why did you share all of that? That's like stuff that, that we do in our company. I'm like, well, first of all, like it all comes back around. Secondly, 90% of the people aren't going to do anything with it anyway. Yeah. 99. <laughs> Like yeah. not, not yeah. to be rude about it, but like the reality is most people won't implement, but I also at the first point I made, which is what I was getting at. And it's one of the things I've always loved about you, Adam, just like watching you over the years and listening to you speak is you're very, you're very abundancy mindset. Like your, your mm -hmm. concept is to help people share ideas, communicate. It's a rare trait in our industry. Mm -hmm. It's, it really is a rare trait. It's everybody's like, they kind of play to that, but inside they're like, well, I'm, I'm, I don't want to give you too much because it's this, <laughs> right. you know, this great idea. Um, it comes back so much just like, I don't know what the word is Keith, I'm looking for, but just the, it just comes back to you tenfold yeah. when you approach reciprocity. The world. Yeah. 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 Like yeah. what you give, you get, mm -hmm. what was it yeah, like? Go ahead. Yeah, one of the biggest factors of influence, you know, reciprocity. Yeah. Dr. Robert Cialdini. I mean, mm -hmm. you know, go in and give, give your best. But James, you're you're absolutely right. It, it's fascinating because people are like, well, I don't want to share this part. Or here, will you send, you know, they send you a freaking NDA for crying out loud half the time. <laughs> and they're like, here, before I share the rest of my idea, can you sign this? I'm like, look, there's no really brilliant new ideas <laughs> yeah. out there. Everything's been thought of. And, you know, if you're going to tell me your spin on it, great. That's that's fantastic. Go do something with it instead of NDAing me not to. Yeah. Right. No, it, right. Yeah. Yeah. So common. What's like a interest? You how many how many agents were underneath you at the time? In like 2022, 2021, was you guys were in Remax International was a hundred and something thousand, right? hundred and forty thousand, hundred and forty thousand. Just gave yeah. me an ulcer. Tiny, tiny um, little, tiny little organization. How how did this is almost me asking personally? How did you manage um, that many opinions? And usually, sometimes the loudest opinion in the room isn't necessarily always the the best or not the best but i i always used to, i always tell people you don't know what you don't know because people mm -hmm. make a lot of assumptions so how did you manage that like that many people when especially in an industry where everybody has one uh, that's a great question <laughs> and it was simply by saying one thing and that's thank you mm. 
So everybody would deliver their opinion and they all want, they all want a rebuttal on their opinion. They want you to go, Oh my gosh, that's great. Let's, and as you know, everybody has like four different ways of doing the same thing and mm. it's their four ways and they're the best four ways. And they all have a, a new way of, you know, inventing something or doing sure. modern real estate or, I mean, come on folks, this is not magic. It's, yeah. it's relatively yeah. straightforward. Yeah. Um, so stop trying to, to make it yours and take possession and ownership of it. And, and that's one of the things is, you know, there is that scarcity mindset mindset extensively in this industry. I mean, look at the, Hey, you can't, you know, the, like the MLS rules for, for crying out loud. Mm -hmm. Um, massive scarcity mindset there. Why do, why, have, do you, you know, why do you think that permeates the industry so much? Like what's the, I, I, gen, what's the genesis of that? Well, I, you know, you go back in history, Keith, and you look at, um, you can't see this book. It's secret. <laughs> the, secret MLS book. the secret book, the secret or the, uh, the dot matrix printer that was like, mm -hmm. it was in the CIA or something yeah. like that. <laughs> that's pumping out the listings. And I mean, for crying out loud, that that's what the, the strength of the organization or the industry was based upon. And mm. I think we're a very, very slow industry to evolve. And um, we only evolve when we have to, not when we want to. Mm. And that's a challenge. You should be evolving when you want mm. to, to try and get ahead of things, because that's when you can test things instead mm. of be forced upon things like, you know, likely what we're seeing right now, where there's going to be change forced upon this industry and everybody's going to be like, oh, this sucks. But I can tell you this, if somebody in the industry invented what that change is going to be, right. people would be like, that's brilliant. Mm -hmm. and you're like, wait, wait, just, come on, <laughs> mm -hmm. let's, yeah, let's yeah. get out of our own way here for yeah. a minute. But um, yeah, I mean, it comes down to that where I, I think there's, there's just too much control. The reality, people are going to buy and sell houses. They yep. need someone to help them do that. So let's try and, you know, kind of innovate towards that. Yeah. Innovate. To, exactly. Yeah. Instead of making yeah. it a, a yeah. big classified endeavor secret thing. And then that's when you have scandal and all sorts of other crap. Yeah. So I have had two friends, I would say they're more acquaintance friends that have been in companies that have gone public. And I've always, I always like asking this question just to get different perspectives. So, <laughs> you know, well, I mean, we have to ask some controversial questions, right? So, um, you know, obviously, you know, Dave built this thing with his wife and, you know, the team from scratch and built this massive company. And, and, and by the way, going public is a great way to do a lot of things, raise capital, have an exit strategy. Right. Um, but you were there from private to public. What, like, what, what was that like? Did it change the culture? Is it better? Is it worse? Is it different? Like, what does that mean? Cause I know we have a lot of entrepreneurs that are like, okay, we're going to raise this capital and do this stuff. And then we're going to go public. Mm. And, I have a very good Wall Street friend who was like, there's pros and cons. You know, the con is, or, yeah. Yeah. Like you're, you're going to be on airplanes talking to, to stockholders all day long and trying to, you know, sell shares, share price and you're not focused on the business, but big payout. You know, I, again, what is your take on it? I would agree there are substantial pros and cons. Um, everybody, and I, I appreciate why people do that. You know, the, the reason that Remax did that might be different than the reason than, that other businesses do that. Sure, but a lot started. of times, yeah. exactly. It's, it's diversifying the, the holdings of the founders typically. Right. So, you know, when you look at it, you know, they should, they should be allowed to take some chips off the table sure. and you're either going to sell part of your company to private equity or to some other investment group, or you're going to borrow money mm. against it to try and take some chips off the table somehow. But ultimately the, um, you know, 
call it the most effective way of doing that is to IPO. Mm -hmm. So, um, for, secondarily, James, if you ever call me up and go, Hey, I'm thinking about IPO and I'll be like, no, don't do it. <laughs> okay. So, um, but it, it's, it's a fun thing to go through, but it's also, that is now what you are. You are no longer the founder CEO of a real estate franchise company. You are now, you know, like you said, answering to the shareholders and the analysts and wall street about everything that happens there and it changes the the board structure so you have to have so many independent board directors you have to have certain committees you have to follow this forty thousand page rule book called sarbanes oxley and things like that which um it costs a substantial amount of money in order to have the legal uh backing to have you know all your people internally to have everything reviewed three or four times so i i would say is it great for an organization in certain circumstances at certain times? Yes. But otherwise, is it a hell of a lot of work and brain damage if, mm. you know, kind of for the rest of the crew? Absolutely. So, yeah. um, but I, and I the will culture say, changes, I'm assuming, because you're, you're just, you're, oh, you're totally. a publicly traded company. I mean, you've, yes, I remember when you were doing, earn, doing uh, earnings calls and that's, I'm sure I can imagine how much bring that up. I mean, well, <laughs> I just, well, I just can, I, I don't know, nor would I ever right. want to. And for clarity, I'm not planning on doing this. Anybody who's thinking that, uh, just <laughs> that I just would just listening when you were doing them, just going, Oh my God, like how much time did you have to spend prepping every single response and like all the questions that are going to come across and it just didn't sound fun. I'm still catching up on my sleep, by the way. There you that. go. <laughs> but um, it, I'll tell you, you have a very talented group of people that you work with in, and because you have to go out and pay extreme premiums for extremely good people in order for Wall Street to take you seriously and understand mm -hmm. what you're talking about. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'll tell you, I had to go get my MBA. I mentioned uh, in you know many different instances, and it helped me greatly. Um, it wasn't the same, you know, obviously the people you learn your MBA from, or you take your MBA from a lot of times don't have that experience, but they talk about it, what they've mm -hmm. learned in books, things like that. But ultimately, once you get on that roadshow and you're talking to those analysts and you're doing the quarterly earnings calls, things of that nature, it shines a light on a different part of the business atmosphere that you've never been exposed to. And it was mm -hmm. really, really fun to learn that. But if you sit, if you sat me down and said, Hey, would you want to go do that again? I'd be like, no, thanks. I'm good. Yeah, I'm good. <laughs> Yeah. Interesting. I, I figured just knowing you, you would have said that, but that's got to be a hell of a real world experience. Yeah. I, I wouldn't trade yeah. it for anything, but I wouldn't do it again. You may not be able to answer this, but I'm going to ask it anyway. So okay. uh, how much did it change or affect your decision making process? Meaning knowing that, man, maybe I'll wait till after this quarterly earnings report and let's push that for 45 days to the other side, some decision or announcement or like how much did being publicly traded alter the way you would run the business just because of the structure of being publicly traded? That's a, that's a great question, Keith. The, um, and I never really did a benchmark of, okay, if we weren't versus if we mm -hmm. are, you know, when it came to a decision, but I can assure you that 
um, it did add another dimension to the chessboard that you're playing on. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, instead of a standard chessboard and the, the multi dimensions of the different chess pieces, now it's now like you've got five or six chessboards stacked on top of each other and you can move <laughs> yeah. the pieces amongst each one. Yeah. So it is all about timing and, and considering the next move and the marketplace and things like that. Um, it, it is very difficult and I have the utmost respect for anybody that runs a public company having been there. Uh, but at the same time, you're like, I wish I was playing checkers again, right. you know, as an right. entrepreneur, um, you know, just going head to head on these different things. And you're like, if I want to make a decision right now, gosh, darn it, I can do that. Right. That being said, it's incumbent upon the executive leadership in a public company to make sure that the customer base understands your public, but also to do your very best Mm -hmm. to do what's right for the customer base. Because yes, we talk about shareholder um, return and things like that, but happy customers increase shareholder return. Yeah. So if you keep going back to that and you know, you've got this, it's not the shareholder, it's the, you know, the stakeholder mm -hmm. piece. I, I think with that focus and certainly that's what, you know, my interaction with all these different public company CEOs has reflected on them um, I'm sure there are companies out there that are like shareholder, 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 but right. ultimately you got to keep your customers happy and you do that by keeping your employees happy. So it's, it's, it's this multi-level of well, happiness for that matter, but, mm. um, you know, value creation and return for everybody. Hey, it's Adam again. This podcast went really long, but it was really good. So we made this a two-part episode. We'll catch you next time for part two.